Hi, my name is Sophia Kant. I'm an estate planning and elder law attorney in the Kansas City metro area. I'm a partner with Stockton and Kant. We are an estate planning and elder law firm in the Kansas City area. We have offices in Gardner and in Corporate Woods area. So the name of our podcast, we've been doing this a couple episodes already. The name of our podcast is Life, Legacy, and the Law. So we're really excited to be back here for season or episode five of this podcast. So uh, do you want to introduce yourself, Glenn? Yeah, but I'm thinking we really need like some sort of, you know, sound effect. Life, legacy, and the law, something that comes in. All right. My name is Glenn Stockton. I'm the managing uh, partner here at uh, Stockton and Kent. So the topic, let me get into Sophia, the topic for today. So we're going to just really roll up our sleeves and dive into this. So we're going to talk about today, wills versus trust. So in previous episodes, we've talked about why we plan. What are we planning for? Remember the big ones are, we don't want to go through probate. We don't want to be a burden. We're planning for long-term care to avoid going broke in a nursing home, making sure our assets go to who we want, when we want, the way we want. We've talked about living documents. Today, I want to really roll up our sleeves and dive into the two basic ways we're going to do estate planning. We talked about these at a high level, but I want to get in deep today on wills, versus trust right so what the heck is a will what you know when are they used what do they do for us what do they not do for us then we'll turn our attention to trust what is a trust how do they work what do they do for us what do they not do for us what are you know those kind of things so let's compare and contrast them so sophia if you will let's start with wills what is a will walk us through what it is um you know and what it does for us okay so a will, you also hear it's also called a last will and testament. And that is a legal document that essentially outlines how a person's assets and possessions are going to be distributed after their death. So not during their lifetime, after their death, where's their stuff going? Um, so this is legal instructions. Um, and it serves to, as a- To really help us that legal jargon of stuff, right? Because right. that's the legal term we like to use, stuff. Yep. Everybody knows what stuff is. It's everything you own. Right. Yep. So it's the set of instructions that instruct the executor, the person that you're appointing to manage your assets on how, you know, how to carry out the provisions of your will and how to ensure that, you know, your wishes are respected. So that's really what a will is. So we talked previously about wills, the fact that they by requirement, by you know, they necessitate that we go through probate. And we've talked about that. And that a will is really just a legal formal document of who that answers the question of who gets what. And that wills do nothing for us while we're alive. They only come into effect at our death. And they're going to say who gets what, who the executor is. And if we have minor dependent children, um, who we want to serve as the guardian of those children, right? That's kind of the sum substance of a, of a will as to what it does and how it's put together. It's a right. formal document with a lot of legal formal requirements, correct? Right. Yep. All right. So it's going to answer who gets what specific bequests, you know, what to do with the residuary estate, who's appointed. So walk us through that a little bit where I, I want to um, create a will. What is that will going to do for me? And what things do I need to think about as I'm sitting down to create my will? Okay. So, um, what is the will? So what are kind of things to think about when you're creating a will? So one is that executor. Who are you who are you appointing as that 
your judiciary, that person who holds the key, who follows your instructions that you've laid out in the will? Who's that person that you trust to make sure that the whole transition, the whole probate or probate process is smooth? Um, and so this is the person that you're going to need to decide, you know, who's going to manage all of that. So that's one thing to think about. Who is your executor? Okay. Can it be multiple people or is it just one person? It can be multiple people. If you want, if you have three children, you can choose all three of your children to do that. Um, you know, all three of them are going to be going through the probate process together now. You know, in a lot of, for a lot of people, one person is really easy to do that. You know, it's much more simple process. This one person is going to be gathering the assets and the estate, um, you know, managing them, paying the debts, um, paying the taxes, anything like that. But maybe that one person isn't very skilled at, um, taxes or, you know, paying debts, things like that, then they can always, you know, one, have somebody hire somebody to help them with that. That's, as we talked about before, going to add more costs to probate. Um, but you can also go ahead and add multiple people as that fiduciary person from the start. So if you have two children that you think are really responsible, and one is really good with uh, you know, personal property managing that, and the other is really good with taxes and numbers, maybe appoint those two children together um, and they, they might work really well together. So it really depends on your family dynamics and, and how you do that, how you want to structure that. Okay. So a, another component of a will to think about is your specific bequest. So this is a thing to think about. You have, um, you know, grandma's painting, a really special family heirloom. So instead of just figuring out where does your stuff go, um, you know, you have three kids, everything goes equally to the three kids. Maybe that one specific, really special family heirloom you want to make sure goes to somebody who cares about, you know, family history and, um, you know, will we'll keep, uh, you know, protect it um, for future generations. So that's something to think about. That's a way that you can, you know, you can choose that through your will, through your estate plan. Um, where do those specific special items go? That's one thing to think of. The last real component of a will is your residuary beneficiaries. Where does everything else go? Um, where does the fiduciary distribute everything or who does it, who does the fiduciary distribute everything to once the probate um, kind of process is over? And that's generally, most people say, you know, to my three children, or if I have a spouse to my spouse. Um, but that's something that you're going to want to think about when you're sitting down and coming up with a will. So the will, I can plan for different scenarios, right? I can say to my spouse, if my spouse survives me, in the event my spouse does not survive me, then it should be distributed outright equally to my three children, right? right. So I can specify that. And in the event one of my child children predeceased me, their share will go to their children if they have children. So I can really lay out scenarios and plan for the the you know unexpected in life, the things that can happen, I can do that with a will, right? But what are our limitations? We talked about this in a prior episode, our limitations on will. So talk a little bit about, you know, because a will gets our assets to who we want. What's mm -hmm. the limitations? Right. So, well, here's a big one. It's subject to probate, right? A will we talked about has to go through probate. So, you know, it's time consuming, costly. So it has to go through probate. Um, another one is it's not very private. The whole probate process is not very private. So you have to, it's, it, your will becomes part of public record. 
And so when you have, you know, maybe those disinherited beneficiaries or those family members that aren't very happy with you, or even those scammers out there, they, it's public knowledge. You've died. You, your will is administered to probate. People are aware now that you have this probate process going on and people are coming in and, and, you know, making claims on your estate. So it is very a public process. And so, and then another, you know, kind of downfall downside in doing a will-based plan is that there's really limited and capacity planning options that we can do through a will-based plan or really having to rely if something happens to you um, and you, you know, get bumped on the head, then we're really relying on different documents, other estate planning documents, those living documents that we talked about in previous episodes, the financial power of attorney, the healthcare power of attorney, and we're really relying on those documents to, um, you know, make those decisions for us when we can't anymore. So, uh, and what we've talked about before is those just aren't as strong. So as a trust. Right. So I look at, you know, when a will might be an appropriate plan for somebody, if that person has a very good long-term care policy in place, a long-term care insurance, I don't need to be concerned about planning for long-term care because they have a policy that's probably going to get us through that. They've got really good income in retirement. They have a long-term care policy. If we've got a retirement, they're um, very clear on who gets what. Their kids or beneficiaries are very stable. They're good with money. Um, they're, you know, we're not worried about them going through divorces. Um, those kind of scenarios for those people, wills can be an appropriate plan. It's back to my philosophy of keep it simple. And wills fit that definition in those scenarios where I find wills are not very good solutions are when we don't have a good long-term care policy in place. I'm concerned about the cost of long-term care, how I'm going to pay for it because a will doesn't help me with that. If I have beneficiaries, I'm worried about them going through divorces. So kids, and we're worried about what happens if they go through a divorce, we don't want the assets lost there, or I married and I'm worried my spouse may remarry. Um, at some point and the assets, you know, go off to the new spouse who's come in. Um, wills can't help me with that. So there's a whole lot of things that trusts do that wills can't, but it's, to me, it's always this balancing act, right? What's the best plan for somebody? Well, I don't know. As we get in and I figure out what are the risk factors, you know, do they have long-term care policies in place? Um, is there a family history of people having dementia, Alzheimer's, you know, MS, Parkinson's, you know, needing to go into long-term care, maybe a family history of strokes. You know, if we've got family history of that stuff and we don't have long-term care insurance in place, well, the will is probably not going to, you know, it's not going to help us with any of those things. So then I'm probably a candidate for trust because those are the things we can do with trust. So, so as I'm evaluating who's a good candidate for wills, simple situations where families get along pretty well, we're clear on who gets what, we have maybe long-term care insurance to deal with the long-term care issues of things. Those people, a will can be an appropriate um, solution. Would you agree with that? Yeah. All right. All right. So wills, we've discussed go through probate, um, have limitations, but they're very good at doing and making sure your assets get to the people that you've designated, albeit it's going to be through the probate process. So let's talk about trust then. What is a trust and how does a trust work? Okay. So a trust is a legal entity. So it's a whole entity in and of itself that's going to hold your assets. 
or the grantor's assets for the benefit of a person. So during your lifetime, most likely it's going to be you. Now there's lots of different types of trusts. We're going to talk about the most general trust um, in this definition, but that, that trust, that legal entity is going to hold the assets for the benefit of you, the grantor. It's created by the trust maker, that grantor, and generally it's funded by that trust maker with their assets into that trust. Then they're appointing a trustee, again, usually the trust maker, to manage their assets during their lifetime. Um, and so if we think about it in terms of a safe, right, we have a safe, we create that safe, that's that trust, and then we're transferring assets, the person's assets, trust maker's assets into that safe. So the home bank accounts, investment accounts, CDs, um, things like that. We're transferring it into the safe. And now we have that key. So we're locking the safe, but we have that key. That key allows us to go back in it, amend it, revoke it any way that we want. And who's going to hold that key? Most of the time, it's going to be the trust maker. That person has the power to amend, revoke the estate plan, the trust, um, and you know the power to manage and control all of those assets. Now... And I think we'll talk a little bit more about it. And if I'm jumping ahead, stop me. But um, then if we become incapacitated, we're handing that key off to somebody we've already appointed to manage the new trustee to manage our assets for the benefit of probably the trust maker, however you set that up. Then upon our death, we're handing that key off again. So it's a very smooth transition from, um, you know, once we set up that trust and fund it, it's, it should be a very smooth transition. Right, because we've named the person with the backup key. So wills answer the question, who gets what? A trust also answers that question, right? Mm -hmm. A will, I guess, to some extent, answers when do they get it at your death, right? On the, through the probate process as we complete the probate process. But with a trust, we can, we can define when our trustees get it. When they hit certain ages, they get one-third at the time of death, one-third five years later, the final distribution five years after that. Or we can say, you know, it's held in trust for the health, education, maintenance, and support of the beneficiaries until the beneficiaries graduate from college, at which point then, you know, they get all the money or half the money or a third of the money or whatever, however we want to set it up. We can control when they get it. We control how they get it with the trust. We can put handcuffs on, right? We can say it's only available for these purposes or it's not available if these situations are going on. So let's talk a little bit about those protections that a trust provides that you cannot do with a will. You cannot do with a beneficiary designation. What are some of the things that we can do with the trust, how we protect assets? Let's start with how we protect it for our beneficiaries, and then we'll come back to how we protect it for ourselves when we're putting it in. But let's think about the beneficiaries right now. How does a trust protect the beneficiary? when we pass property via a trust. All right, well, it can protect the beneficiary. Let's say that the beneficiary is a minor child. We don't want the minor child to have, you know, get $100,000. Um, so it can protect the minor child by keeping it in a continuing trust, appointing somebody to control those assets for that child until that child is, you know, of age, sufficient age and maturity as, you know, the trust maker determines. Okay to be able to access those funds directly. So minor child is a great um, person that we really like to be able to protect in a trust. A special needs beneficiary, someone who is um, disabled, 
we don't want them to have the money and you know direct access to all the money it might disqualify them from receiving a government benefit or maybe they're just they don't have the capacity the ability to manage that money responsibly uh, you know somebody who is irresponsible that we're again protecting that person from themselves so if that person is irresponsible with money they have a drug problem um, you know we can really make use of that trust by putting it in a trust for that person, managing it, putting guidelines on it. How do we use that money for them? Uh, you know, a great, a great example that I like to think about is I had a client who had a child who had a drug problem and this child could also not hold a job. So what the, what the client did was they created this trust. They love their child. They wanted to make sure that their children were treated equally and that this child had motivation and the ability to succeed in life. So this client created this trust, set aside a portion of the money for that one child who had drug problems and couldn't keep a job. But they put restrictions on that money. And they said, as long as you, you know, can retain a job for, I can't remember exactly what, it, what period of time it was, but let's say, you know, five years, as long as you retain a job for, for five years, then you can have, you know, 10% of your share. And so it gives them, you know, you can give your child motivation throughout a trust to do better. Um, so that's, a, that's, you know, one of the ways that we can do that. Can I, can I jump in here? So, you know, if I were just the way my mind kind of thinks with this, we create the safe, right? We think of a trust like a safe and we're, you know, putting some parameters of when somebody can access the money that's in the safe. So we can give the key to our beneficiaries, right? To our kids, if they're our beneficiaries, whoever the beneficiary is, and says, you have the key, I trust you with it, but you can only use it for these purposes, right? We could also hand the key off to somebody else, say, yeah, I'm not giving the access to this kid because this kid's got a drug problem. And even though I put in restrictions, they'll access it and do what they want with it. But I can, you know, control of how that money is used so that it's not going to the drugs or it's just not going to be squandered on some shopping spree or, you know, my daughter's uh, boyfriend's, you know, new truck or whatever. And then that relationship ship in six weeks later and off goes the boyfriend with the truck. I can protect for all those kind of things with a, mm -hmm. with a trust. What are some of the other things though? When I don't, when I have kids that, you know, they don't have drug problems they're stable, they got good heads on their, their shoulders, what kind of advantages does a trust provide for those kids and for the people who are thinking about, should I do a will, should I do a trust? What were some advantages the trust might provide? Okay, so let's say one child, a child is married. They are in a good relationship, but so many times, right, those good relationships still fail. So we're protecting that child from a divorce. Um, we don't know what's gonna happen in the future, so putting that trust in place now, protecting that child from a divorce. In addition to a divorce, let's think about bankruptcy. You know, the child is responsible, good with money, everything's going well. But as we saw before in history, right, if the market crashes, lots of people end up filing for bankruptcy that we didn't really foresee. So if bankruptcy happens, that money in a trust is protected for the beneficiary. You know, and I've seen that one just here in, in recent weeks on a couple occasions. Um, parents who had an adult child who's been great with money, had his own business, but that business was being affected by new technologies that were making his business obsolete. 
Um, I had another one that had a business that he survived COVID. So he had a moving business, um, survived through COVID with this moving business. It was tough, but got through it only to now is really, really struggling because they can't hire people. They can't keep people on. They're trying to get employees to run this company um, and they've leveraged and have multiple moving trucks and things that they've got loans on, but they can't hire the people to continually show up. You know, they'll show up for a couple of days and they just don't show up back to work. And so there's this problem that he can't keep the, the trucks moving and he's leveraged out all of his assets and has found himself in bankruptcy because he can't keep up with the payments, things outside of their control, the, the general economy, the work ethic of, of others, the, you know, um, technology replacing jobs. And so with a trust, we can make sure that those assets that we leave to those beneficiaries or to those children are protected so that a bankruptcy trustee can't grab them. Um, you know, creditors can't, can't grab them. Divorce courts can't touch to them, can't touch those assets, but we cannot do that with wills. We cannot do that with beneficiary designations. Um, you know, th in those scenarios, just the assets given to our beneficiaries, our children, you know, whoever those beneficiaries are and whatever they're going through, because remember, we can't control when it's at our death. They get those assets. And so we don't have an ability to protect them. So with the trust, you're saying we can protect that. So yeah. I absolutely agree. Those are fantastic benefits. What are some of the benefits that me as a trust man, I'm thinking about doing a trust, right? What are some of the benefits I get? from a trust, both while I'm alive and at my incapacity and at my death. Well, there you go. Incapacity planning. It's a really, trust is a really strong document to provide for incapacity planning. So we talked before about those living documents. We have those living documents and you should have them in place anyways. That's that financial power of attorney, the healthcare power of attorney, but those documents can only take you so far. They can, you know, those, they appoint somebody to make decisions for you and for your property. But what happens if we've created that trust and we transfer all of your assets into that trust and now you become incapacitated? Before you've had that key and you're managing your assets and your trust and you're safe, you've had that key, but now you hit your head, you become incapacitated. Well, who gets that key? Who gets to make sure that the bills are paid, make sure that your minor children are protected and cared for still? That's that person through, it, through a trust, that's the trustee. Um, who we've appointed to manage that. So that really ensures that smooth transition um, and ability to do incapacity planning through a trust. Okay. So, you know, th there's just so many advantages. And Sophia, you and I are both huge fans and proponents of trust. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think you agree with me that, you know, not everybody needs a trust but certainly trust will do things that no other estate plan can do. When I'm creating a trust for someone, you know, the, the things I can do, I can make sure that their assets go to who they want, when they want, the way they want. I'm protecting their beneficiaries and their, if their beneficiaries go through a divorce, if they die, making sure those assets go on to their children, the grandchildren awfully, often, but that they're actually, the assets get to the, to the grandchildren, not going to the spouse of my child who may remarry and now suddenly the assets have walked away. I can make sure they go to who I want. Um, I can put protections in for the grandkids so they're available for health, education, maintenance and support, but the grandkids not the one actually in control of the money. I can protect against remarriages. Um, if I die and my spouse remarries to make sure that the new spouse 
of my spouse you know, after my death doesn't walk away from the assets. And that's why I'm an estate planning attorney today, because that's what happened in, in my family. Um, I can protect for bankruptcy protections, you know, all kinds of creditor protections. If those things are important to someone, I tell them, mm-hmm. I can't do that with a beneficiary designation. I cannot do that with a will. I can protect for long-term care, right? So we don't go broke in a nursing home. I can build into a trust the ability to protect our assets from a long-term care Medicaid spend down. I can't do that with a will. I can't do that with the beneficiary designations. So when we really compare the the benefits and that of a trust to will, there's really is no comparison. A trust will do things for us that wills simply cannot do. But yet you and I both agree that that doesn't mean that everybody needs a trust. We really weigh how important are these things to you um, when determining what is the best plan for you. And sometimes with wills and and you know good powers of attorneys and living documents in place and a good long-term care insurance policy, that can work well. We have a stable family where you know um, the kids have good heads on their shoulders. Um, they're in stable marriages. Um, you know, and so sometimes as we're weighing that, that the we can make a will work just fine. So anything you want to say in conclusion to kind of wrap us up as to you know, benefits uh, of a, a trust or benefits of a will, things we haven't talked about to this point? No, I think you said it really well. So, yep, I just think reiterate that this really isn't a one size fit all type of plan. Um, you really have to talk with a an experienced estate planning attorney to figure out what are your goals? What are your values? What are the things that really mean the most to you? and then figure out what that type of plan is that best fits you, your goals and your values. So, um, yeah. Yep. Absolutely agree. All right. Next week, what's our topic next week? What are we talking about? Okay. We're going to talk more in depth about revocable living trust. So we've talked about trusts in general. There's lots of different types of trust, but we're going to start off with a bang with the revocable living trust. You, if you've heard of trust, this is the trust that you've probably heard of the most. So, Um, excited to get into that. Yep. Most common trust we have. All right. Well, Sophia, thank you. Hopefully everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend. You're probably seeing my, uh, my Mm -hmm. uh, rings around my eyes. I got out of my motorcycle on, uh, uh, Monday and, uh, did some riding and, uh, the, uh, sun kind of with the sunglasses on left me a ring. So hopefully everybody had a great, uh, Memorial Day weekend. I know we're a day late at getting this thing, uh, published here because coming back from the holiday, but uh, we'll be back on next Tuesday um, at 11 o'clock. And guys, again, you know, tune in. And, and I would tell you, if you have specific things you would like for us to discuss, let us know what those are. Other than that, we'll see you next week with the next episode of Life, Legacy, and the Law. I was listening for that sound effect, Sophie. I didn't hear it. <laughs> Come you? on, <laughs> the law. So, yeah. All right, guys, have a great uh, rest of your week. Take care. Bye.